Well, our uh, our new display looks good. Exciting. So also Hilo is supposed to leave on Friday morning for a trip to Orcas Island with my parents and wasn't going to be back until Tuesday. I was going to have a whole like five days without him. Oh, and I man. don't think that's going to happen now. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, what if he's just got a one night fever? Yeah. yeah, I'm hope hopefully it's just one of those weird kid things or he'll be over it soon. But kids are weird. <laughs> yep. <laughs> those body will fight off those germ bugs. Trying to yeah. explain germs to a kid, especially during COVID, is interesting. But he's decided that they're called germ bugs and germ we just bugs. go with it. Sure. So yeah. Sure. And he's full of them. He's full he's of them right now. Writhing with germ bugs. <laughs> he was like, was so tired and looks so spent. And then like trying to get him to take medicine to make him feel better. Or it's like, but I feel fine. <laughs> I don't feel sick. You're so full of <laughs> Like, well, you're going to if you don't take this medicine. So. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode 280, uh, where the three of us, sometimes four of us, sometimes two of us who own and run and uh, sleep in and dream about a comic book store in Bellingham, Washington, uh, talk about the comics that we read every week. Uh, normally, we've got a Jeff with us, the ringleader. He's taking a week off. And so instead, you've got me. I'm Django. I'm Roman. And I'm Colette. And we're here to talk about comics. And the comings and goings of our lives. Those two. Those two. Um, <laughs> I'm going to see if I can make it through this whole episode without saying Papcast. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So, okay. Jeff's gone. I think we should try something obnoxious, you guys. Ooh. Something I... obnoxious on the Papcast? No way. Oh, God. <laughs> something obnoxious on the Papcast suggested no. by Django? Yeah. Shocking. I hate that name so much. Papcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it always makes me think of a pap smear. Oh, every really? Single time. Well, that's not yep. why I hate it at all. <laughs> that's why I like it. <laughs> Says someone who's never had to have a pap smear. <laughs> I know. I'm so jealous, too. <laughs> oh, God. There it is. That's the classic pap pop. Perfectly acceptable <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, well, this week we're going to talk about a handful of books, and uh, I, I don't think we should limit ourselves to these, but definitely in some order similar to this, Love Everlasting, Parker oh. Girls, uh, Starhenge, Deceased War of the Undead, Samurai Doggy, X-Men Legends, Predator, Black Sad, uh, Judgment Day, Ms. Marvel Wolverine, probably some other stuff. Um, <clears throat> and my pitch for the obnoxious thing is that we treat this all as buckshot so that we can uh, finish this up and go take a nap. What do you, <laughs> not like true buckshots, but short, snappy, and then nap time. I'm down. All it's right. late. All right. Short, short and nappy. <laughs> short and nappy. <laughs> well, Never sleep with us, but you know, well, it can be short. short. That's true. <laughs> 
Uh, let's start with Love Everlasting by Tom King and Elisa Chartier with Matt Hollingworth on colors. Uh, I thought this was awesome. It was, uh, it, it's basically sort of like a take on um, classic romance comics. We have three and a three three and a little bit more chapters in here where the the lovely lady is falling in love with a dude, and then uh, halfway through the second one, she starts referencing things that happened in the first one, and halfway through the third one, she starts like it's a, it's she's very self aware of what's going on in there, and uh, it it was I thought really well done. The the cowboy scenes were amazing. The art is kind of Darwin cookie, and the uh, the just the the whole setup is super confusing and i trust that tom king's gonna make it even better by the time we get around uh what did you guys think i loved it i so i those romance comics always to me actually seem kind of like a horror story or something because they're always these just (laughs) torturous romances until the woman finds love like her her life is just filled with just longing and aching for some man to woo her away or to decide that he loves her instead of the other person and to have it be this um the concept that it's not the it's not an anthology of different women going through these stories that they um that it's one woman who's ended up being stuck in this cycle of the portion of the romance that's just pain and frustration and then as soon as it gets to the good part it starts over and she has to be suffering through the pain of wanting this person and dad not wanting to be with him or he loves someone else or anything like that is this such a cool refreshing take on it and and because it's Tom King the dialogue that would usually be super like saccharine and gross is actually compelling and yeah. I loved it he's, he's got a knack for that making it real what did you think Roman I really liked it too <laughs> and you mentioned it but I want to stress to to listeners yeah even though it's an anthology don't make the mistake I almost did where you just pop it open and read a story out of order read them in order yeah because uh, I was <laughs> I, I started that and I was like wait a minute <laughs> Yeah, and the the last word in the book as everything like she kind of has this crushing realization of what's going on and the, the kind of groundhog day situation that she's in. And the last thing she says is, "Ah, oh, fuck." And I thought that that kind of <laughs> reframed the entire book. Like, oh, this isn't just uh, overwrought romance. This is uh, okay. Let's go back and, and look at this like a grown up. Yeah. And since it's image, it's not bleeped out. We actually get to see <laughs> Tom King swear the way he's trying to all finally. the time. Finally, yeah. freaking finally. <laughs> No ampersand hashtag exclamation point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, Roman, what do you give it? I oh, consult my little everlasting list here. Um, I gave it an eight. <laughs> an eight. I think I give it a nine. I gave it a nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good comic. Um, let's see. I think we should move right along to something that I think Roman probably liked. Uh, Roman, did you did you happen to read Starhenge? Oh, hell no. That's too weird for me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I did. Tell us I everything it. about Starhenge in like a minute. What do you got? <laughs> Starhenge number two of Everything by Liam Sharp. Though actually, uh, Matilda McCormick Sharp, which I, I assume that's his partner or mm-hmm. sister, kid. I don't know. Um, they did some pages of art here, too. Uh, just more a continuation of this crazy um, science, fantasy science fiction uh, incorporating some real world, world, I think, fifth century British history and Arthurian mythos and, and killer robots from outer space. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's a there's some stylistic art changes that are that I can see kind of could be pretty jarring for folks. Yeah, <laughs> I'll some, say. <laughs> goes from cartoony to black and white photorealistic to fantasy Arthurian style. Yeah. And it's a blast. I love it. It's so murky and weird and all over the place. And Merlin, there's an omniscient narrator, and but there's also Merlin narrating. And oh, it's great. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I kind of got whiplash reading it because the <laughs> art style and the dialogue changes. Like you you probably know who he's quoting when he says Merlin is so vain, he probably thinks his comic is about him. That's not a weird out quote, is it? That's a Carly Simon <laughs> paraphrase. <laughs> From her uh, famous song about Neil, Neil Beatty, geez, Ned, no, Frick, Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty, right? Yeah. I, so Merlin's so cool, he wears sunglasses at night. That's what yeah. he's saying, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I thought it was, I don't know. I, th- I think it's good, but I think it's not for me. I don't love the historical stuff as much as you do, uh, believe it or not. I don't know if anybody on earth does. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give it a six and a half. I'm going to give it a 10, just like the first issue. There's that two page spread with the fourth, fifth century, fourth century, uh, what would be known as well, Ireland and and the British Isle, the rest of the British Isles loved it. Oh my God. That page is beautiful. At least it's almost a quarter page of entirely text. That's, that's what I come to comic books Yeah. It's really hard to read. You you need a magnifying glass. It's obscure. (laughs) I like, seriously, I think it's really well done. I also can't. Really, I can't handle it. I, I'm going to try to stick on for one more issue, but I I can't. I, I don't know if I can. <laughs> uh, Colette. Hey, yeah. Can you tell us about a comic that you read? Well, can I? I read <laughs> a book I wouldn't have probably picked up except for I was doing the podcast. Uh, Samurai Doggy by Chris Tex and Santos. One word, Santos. <laughs> arf, um, arf, arf. And I fucking loved this. This <laughs> <laughs> was so good. It's uh, Little Puppy's mom is murdered by some ominous figure. No wonder you loved it. Uh, right in the beginning, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know what happens to the other puppies, but the uh, um, or I think, oh, the, the ominous figure, I think, takes them. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the puppy is uh, befriended by a uh, robot vulture, and he grows up to be a samurai, and he uh, the rest of the story is him showing up in a town trying to hunt down the guy who murdered his mom. I'm looking and, for the man who shot my ma. You know, a anthropomorphic samurai story is nothing new, but this was just so good. And the art is beautiful and interesting and different. And I, I loved it. And this I is can't a... wait to keep reading more. <laughs> <laughs> this is a different Santos than the polar Santos, right? I believe I so. He did polar and until my knuckles bleed, like yeah, almost yeah. Frank Miller style. Black yeah, Miller. no, yeah. different, different person. <clears throat> yeah. The, um, the screenshots I've seen of that, that person's art are outstanding mm-hmm. super detailed and i love kind of the above the overhead shots that are in there yeah it's got a really nice um it's got a really soft quality to it but it's still crisp mm-hmm. it doesn't have that muddy watercolor effect but you yeah. still get that that kind of wash with it and it's great this was great people should read it i can't read read more <laughs> i don't know why it's not my usual book and i love it <laughs> did you read there it you too, roman I did. It's also got a two-page map in the back. Oh, my God. But look, almost no text. Yeah, almost no text (laughs) of Samurai Doggy's world here, or at least part of the world. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's fun. And yeah, I wonder, 
you say that, Colette, I wonder now if his siblings, some of them, if maybe they survive and they'll show up in classic like samurai martial arts flick reunion manner mm-hmm. to get revenge on that mysterious figure. Who I think is a robot. Mm-hmm. I, would, I could see that. Cyber samurai. What do you guys give it? I, um, I, okay. I think I gave it a nine. I give it a nine. nine. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I gave it a 7.5. All right. I'm going to keep reading. Nice. You can't stop Roman. Roman will keep reading a (laughs) (laughs) 3.0. Just in the hopes that it it deserves a four at some point. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Liefeld. You got to pull it together. I know you will. (laughs) Oh, God. Commander X or whatever that guy was. Major X? Major X. I don't know. Who knows? He probably wrote them both. (laughs) Yeah. Justice League X. Uh, one book that I really liked this week, and I know Jeff really enjoyed too, uh, was Terry Moore's Parker Girls, um, which is, here's here's something I didn't know until today. Uh, the Parker Girls, even though this is a completely self-contained feeling story that that is maybe set in a larger world, these characters have appeared before and they're part of Strangers in Paradise. Um, oh. Like it's it's basically a Charlie's Angels team with like, we know who their boss is and, and it's... Yeah, it's it's a it's pre-existing characters. Um, it it basically just follows like the beginning of it follows this woman who's who's getting flirty with a guy on the beach in a small vacation island, um, and she ends up kind of scamming him out of this money that he scammed out of his employers. Uh, and then around that, we have a, a much larger sort of narrative going on going on where there's like this group of uh, women who seem to be very well connected and. Um, work for very rich people solving or causing problems probably a little bit of both and holy crap this is this is some fabulous fabulous artwork um every single page is a full story uh and that's that's one of the things that i think we've we've talked about um terry moore you can jump in anywhere you want and and he's got a full story in any any single issue and even down to every page seems to be its own thing you, you read it right colette mm-hmm. yeah this is actually the first terry moore thing i've read and i read it and i said what the fuck have i been doing with my life that has <laughs> led me to only just now be discovering terry moore this is yeah. like such a colette book <laughs> it's, it's such a me book i loved it and i i I could see how the faces, it might end up being a little tough, not having color to tell them apart, but. Well, they all always look the same and you don't know who's who. But I never (laughs) like read a book and go, man, I'm glad there isn't color in this. And I was actually glad that there wasn't color in this. It's so, so clear and crisp and beautiful just with the inks and. Oh man, this is so good. I cannot wait to read more. I need to track down a strangers in paradise. I'm omnibus right away for myself because yeah. I am now in love with Terry Moore. <laughs> I think I started his stuff at Rachel Rising. Okay. So right about the time I started working at the shop. Um, and I've read pretty much everything he's put out since then. It's just he's just good. Like no pitch perfect on everything. Do you read it, Roman? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I've read everything from Terry Moore except Strangers in Paradise. <clears throat> And serial. So his first major work and his last major work before this. Right. And that, yeah, and that's interesting. It didn't matter that I haven't read Strangers of Paradise. I, I mean, I had no idea these characters had appeared before. Um, but I really enjoyed it. The one thing I did wonder if one of the, uh, to extend the metaphor, I guess one of the angels um, introduces herself as Cherry Hammer. And I was like, is that really her name? 
who gives a shit? It's my name now. <laughs> and I love and I love the way she like shuts down this one sleazy, sleazy guy that's trying to hit on her when he hears that name. And the way she shuts him down. She's just- yeah. It seems so straightforward too, but there's actually so many little things that seem like seeding for a deeper story going on. The like the guy that's following the uh the schmo that she uh cons uh, that mm-hmm. she kills while she's following him the tattoos that are like kind of placed in throughout there little references i'm really excited to see what ends up paying off for that's more later harvard. on that's a harvard tattoo on his leg oh okay yeah so that like that guy's oh. got that guy's got more going on than we know because his like even his uh his story doesn't quite make sense and doesn't mm-hmm. quite work like the reason that he's so bummed out and scared doesn't doesn't match up with 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 actual motives so yeah uh gosh nine nine and a half ten somewhere <laughs> somewhere in that perfect range uh, <laughs> i think i give it a nine and a half i gave it a nine 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 <laughs> uh roman what yeah. do you know about x-men legends i know that it was great um <laughs> this first issue which there's been a previous x-men legends series um they re- rebooted it for for some reason um and this first issue it's actually i popped it open and i saw roy thomas as the writer and you know he was like stan lee's wunderkind in the silver mm-hmm. age and wrote he a did ton conan, of, right yeah did conan he did a ton of like classic i think he wrote the Avengers story introduced the vision for oh, instance no. and did a bunch of classic Avengers and FF stories and that kind of thing so I was really surprised to see that he's back at Marvel and this story is right it's continuing uh the story from Hulk um 181 maybe 182 where the Wolverine first appeared and he's fighting the Wendigo and then the Hulk in the Canadian wilderness this is just an extension of that story First page, Wolverine's unconscious. He wakes up and gets up and says, where is he? And he wants to continue <laughs> fighting the Hulk. And that's what he does. <laughs> and it was just a lot of fun. It Son was, of a maple syrup flapjack. Yeah, Roy Thomas. It's I, I'm glad to see you know, he can still write a fun Marvel story and get in Marvel lore. Um, you know, he's one of the old masters now. This mm-hmm. was just a fun story. Wolverine's kind of, as he was in his first appearances, kind of n- not as an, an intelligent character as he is nowadays. He's kind of more of a thuggy brawler type. Um, did Roy last. Thomas write that first appearance? No, I think Len Wein did. Oh, I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think he's credited as the creator of Wolverine, him and whoever the artist was. Should be more embarrassed to have not known that, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just marveling at. I think this is the first time that I've noticed that whenever you ask Roman, did he write Conan or something like that? You can see him just kind of look up and you can visualize Roman in his uh, archive brain going to the drawer in his card catalog (laughs) to get that little bit of information to go. Yep, that is correct. Yeah, Yeah, I I think like one of those Conan splash pages showed up with the credits at the bottom with like Roy Thomas and and Barry Windsor Smith. Yeah, yeah. uh so how many how many points do you give it and keep in mind roy thomas is the same age as bob dylan they're both 81 years old now wow really yeah wow you just you just read a kid's funny book by an 81 year old man (laughs) sweet um (laughs) where did i put it oh i give it 8.5 nice that sounds pretty good is that number one it is okay of i guess this volume two maybe Maybe I mean, volume three. I Marvel know. really doesn't like going over <laughs> issue eight or so. They've they found that uh, if they could just put out one shots for the rest of eternity, they'd make a lot more money, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, stay in the Marvel universe. 
Or you, sure. you, unless you got to. I, I was going to say, oh. speaking of one shots uh, uh-huh. in Marvel. Yeah. I, I read Miss Marvel and Wolverine number one, which I know is mm. like tying into a bunch of other one shots, but it, I just felt it deserved mentioning because this seems like such a throwaway comic. And it was actually pretty good. Like, it's not not the greatest thing I've ever read, for sure. But for <laughs> just kind of a, eh, sure, whatever, I'll read it. It was a solid, entertaining book. It's Miss Marvel's hanging out in Central Park by uh, by the tree headquarters. And some robot bugs show up. And she runs into Logan and ends up helping the, uh, the X-Men deal with the problem. And I just, uh, I'm just always so impressed how solid of a writing writer jody hauser is i yeah. yeah i just always kind of forget how just solid anything that they put out is so nice. i thought that was worth mentioning because yeah why not there you go uh we'll give it a seven and a half and that's like a series of like four or five or six one shots with yeah. Ms. marvel is that right like yeah i believe Ms. so marvel just like they're doing the, the moon girl ones crossover yeah. they're doing Ms. marvel ones also that's awesome and i think jody hauser's doing all of them okay Nice. Well, I don't want to bring the mood down, you guys, but I read Deceased War of the Undead Gods, uh, number one of eight. I can't remember. Did you read this, Colette? Mm-hmm. You did. Yeah. Um, Tom Taylor, Trevor Hairsign, Andy Lanning inking Trevor Hairsign, which I think that's the first time we've seen Andy Lanning in a while um, doing anything. And uh, holy cow, this comic is just still really good. Uh, it opens with Supergirl landing on New Genesis instead of landing on Earth. And when she gets there, new it's it's nowish in in the storyline. So she arrives from Krypton on New Genesis way after Superman arrived on Earth, and uh, all the new gods have been infected with this anti-life equation. And so she looks like she's in a lot of trouble. Um, and then we see John Kent and Damien go to rescue, or not Damien, Damien wants to go to the center of the sun to rescue Clark because he's Batman. And he's pretty sure he can handle the center <laughs> of the sun because he's Batman. He's Batman. He's Batman. Uh, but like Damien and Cyborg and uh, Wonder Girl and Green Lantern all go out to to shoot Superman up with a, a antiviral thing for this thing. And uh, dang, it was a great, great scene. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, we get we get to see uh, Alfred's reaction to finding out that he has murdered Bruce and Tim and Dick too too effectively for for them to have been saved. And it's it's just super sad. Like this this book made me tear up more than once. Yeah. What did, what did you guys think? It was, it, it was really great. Uh, it's amazing that um, you know because like Marvel Zombies had some good stories here and there, but it was so uneven. Mm-hmm. The deceased has been great all along and it's cool that he's wrapping it up with this final storyline um and i hope they don't let other writers like do goofy things with it in the future i don't know who i would trust with this yeah yeah but yeah this is great i mean i love there's all sorts of little things in this series that i love just twist on dc lore i love the dialogue with you know kara supergirl's parents narrating why they sent her to new genesis rather than you know unlike my cousin or whatever Joel that sent, that sent his infant <laughs> to live with those savages on earth we're sending you to <laughs> new genesis with the perfect people like uh-oh no <laughs> and guy gardner's in this and he's in his classic giffen dematius gardner way he has the best lines even though he only has like two lines <laughs> but but on a with a slight improvement to that costume he's got a mohawk yeah like a stupid guy gardner mohawk <laughs> yeah. uh if you could make mohawks douchier it's guy could do it <laughs> <laughs> 
And Colette, this, uh, is this your first deceased? Yeah, I um I have the first volume at home now. Uh, I finally brought it home, and I'm Jared's reading it right now, and I can't wait to get into it. Um, I don't like zombies, and I didn't get the memo way too late, <clears throat> way too late into the series that it's not actually really a zombie series and that right. it was fantastic um and uh so this is the first one and i'm a little disappointed because there's a lot of recapping that kind of mm. um womp womp spoilers kind of a thing to right. it uh right. i i knew plenty of stuff from the fact that i work at the store and i never don't know things about what happens <laughs> in comics but um but i still really liked it i thought it was great i i still look forward to reading all the other i um yeah there are some really great moments i felt so terrible when uh, Scott and Barda are leaving to go back to New Genesis where they think that Jacob is safe. Yeah. And yeah. we know. He um, ain't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just, man, this was good. All the stuff with Damien as Batman was hilarious uh-huh. and um, just so heartfelt and poor Alfred. And yeah, I really liked it. Um, I, I was a bit torn on the art. I thought it was mm-hmm. like, there's moments where it's great and moments where it's kind of janky. Um, like there's one page where you've got uh, Superman um, Clark is coming back and Lois is seeing him for the first time. And it's like him in this proud hero moment and Bart is standing next to him and looks amazing. And then down below it is this like face shot of Lois that is just funky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but all in all, I thought it, I, I'm, you know, it's Tom Taylor. Of course it's good yeah why wouldn't it be good yeah and a wonderful cliffhanger that mm-hmm. is not at all what you expect like he sets you up for something totally different for the whole book and then it yeah. gets there and it's uh it's a harbinger not a threat it's pretty awesome mm-hmm. uh okay okay dang we're blasting right through these scores oh yeah uh, I'm, I'm gonna give it a nine i will yeah. give it an eight i gave it a nine because it spoiled so much like, like it... a trailer that tells you too much I th- it didn't have the impact, emotional impact that yeah. I think it had for you because I hadn't read all the stuff leading right. up to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I haven't read the one hardcover that they put out. There was an, a digital first hardcover that they put out, and I haven't read that. But I have read every other uh, deceased book, and and yeah, that, that's that's probably what actually got me to be a Tom Taylor fanboy like mm-hmm. I am. Series, and it, it I, like I'm even I'm five chapters into injustice and what the fuck mm. am i doing reading a video game adaptation <laughs> spin-off comic book from seven years ago but i you know it's, it's but great. lasted a bajillion issues yeah yeah there's there's like yeah there's probably like 80 issues out there for it i'm yeah. never gonna finish it but tom taylor man mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh let's uh let's talk a little bit about predator number one who wants oh, to who wants to fall on that space sword I was gonna do a I was gonna do a segue because bring up oh. how you know Brainiac's ship and deceased it it looks like a predator face mask. Oh, oh it does. Speaking of predator face masks, oh yes, <laughs> Andrew, was... if you listen really closely to this episode while you're editing it, you can just stitch this together and make it sound good, right? Like <laughs> spot on. Totally. I don't know what I was. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) I I was going to tell you about Predator number one by Ed Brisson, (laughs) Kevin Walker and Frank Giramata. Why is this comic good? (laughs) I don't know, dude. It doesn't have the right to be good. And it is. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's because Kev Walker is awesome. And I like Ed Brisson a lot more than I think most people who work at the shop. Uh, Like he, he never really writes something that I hate. Um, but 
this is a good comic about a character I don't give a shit about. Yeah, on the opposite end, the comic that I, the one comic I've read that I hated more than any other comic that I've read was by Ed Brisson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one issue. <laughs> yeah, him and uh, who's who's the, there's there's another guy. Oh, is it Andy Diggle? It's Andy Diggle, Ed Brisson, and one other like Marvel and image writer that um, all kind of get lumped together for, for our store staff. And hmm. I kind of like them all. And I think Jeff kind of hates them all. Um, like, like I think he never reads more than two issues of them. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got no bad blood against Andy Diggle, but yeah. Ed Brisson, anyone that can make me as angry as that one <laughs> comic did. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> got a long way to come back. And this helped. This was actually really pretty good. So it's a, um, it's this girl out in space in the future and her parents and the entire like surveying crew that she's on a planet with are killed by a predator and she manages to maim it. Um, and, uh, it jumps to the future and she's on the hunt to find the, this one predator and and take it out to avenge her family and uh and is just hunting down predators and taking them out along the way her and her ai ship um and it was totally entertaining you know why i think i like this so much because this this could easily be a jeff lemire story Mm -hmm. right like the like the lost little girl in space with an ai ship and uh like like a mission to go take care of this thing that hurt her family like it it hits all of the same sort of emotional beats as one of those books that that he writes uh and not to not to like i don't know like make ed brisson and jeff lemire do a dick measuring contest or anything but um like there's I, i think that there's a lot of overlap in in this and you know, like sentient or something like that, or sweet tooth. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just the kind of story that I somehow really like. I think there was a lot more world building also Mm -hmm. than I expected from a comic like this. Like at one point, the first time we see her older and taking out a a predator, she's on a random planet with a whole bunch of other aliens that she doesn't speak the language and aren't sure if she's friend or foe. And Mm -hmm. um, there's details in like, how the AI works and stuff that's deeper than I would have ever expected for this kind of a thing. It's almost like alien level world building in a predator book. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a really, really good observation. Um, Roman, did you, uh, was your favorite part the, the point where uh, the mom hacked off the mandible or was it somehow something else? That was a great part in the beginning you know it was a, it was a great surprise that it, what looks like two predators or or one predator attacks another one but then it turns out that's our that's our protagonist that one of her tactics is she wears um predator armor and a predator um helmet mm-hmm. and everything to trick the other predators into letting her get close yeah. um so that was a great part i, I really like the world building too there's a part in the middle where she reveals that um this artifact that she found has a uh, the predators' logs and hunting routes, and this is the first time that I know of that uh, we've been shown the predators don't just randomly go to worlds across the universe hunting things. They actually have hunting routes that are that kind of go in ten-year cycles. And if a predator gets killed, another predator takes over that hunting route within the year. 
and, yeah. and continues it. And it's like, wow, okay, so we're getting some actual glimpses into predator culture here. It's cool, like reverse engineering of another yeah. culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. Um, I think I would give this, I give it a solid seven and a half, but it probably deserves better than that from me. I gave it, I just really should alphabetize this list. I just make a list <laughs> of, as I read stuff, I write it down and I don't redo it. Um, <laughs> I gave it an eight and a half, but yeah, it could easily be a nine. Yeah. I guess I'll just split the difference and give it an eight. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to like it. I'm not a big Predator fan. I don't like Ed Brisson, but like, it was solid. I I have something against Predator media. I don't really know what it is. Like, it's, if that hadn't been really good, I wouldn't have been afraid to give it a five, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Because it, it starts at a huge disadvantage with me. Um, you, could, you could say, you don't have time to read Predator. Is that a Predator joke? Yeah, sorry. I was trying, I was referencing Jake the Snake's line in the first Predator movie, or <laughs> just before he dies, he says, "I I don't have time to bleed." Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you got that's that's what we always say at the store. You got time to bleed. You got time to clean. <laughs> <laughs> you got a paper cut. Cleaning. <laughs> Clean, yeah. Uh, Windex will seal it. Uh, Roman, I know you read Judgment Day. Did you read Judgment Day, Colette? I did not. All right, um, Roman. Oh. All eyes are on you, baby. This will be a Judgment of Colette. Will you uh, take oh, that top well, down a little bit? What? F- <laughs> <laughs> Too many jokes. Too many jokes. <laughs> uh, this is Judgment Day number two, in which... The end of this this issue, we finally find out why it's called Judgment Day because that kind of been bugging me because so far it's been presented as Avengers, X Men, Eternals fight, um, and this issue there there is a big old fight with these massive um, Eternal creatures that have been sicked on Krakoa, and that's a good fight. There's lots of neat little details, but it also um, gets into a, a kind of a like Games of Thrones Games of Throny um, <laughs> fashion kind of factions splitting up because there's Eternals that want to uh, don't care about humans and are fine with them getting slaughtered. And then there's Eternals that want to help the Avengers like, and not just, or not destroy the mutants. There's Eternals that do want to destroy the mutants. So there's a lot of infighting, not in, in this, the Avengers are on Krakoa and there's some great conversations between Scott and Captain America, just showing that while Cap doesn't agree with everything they're doing, he knows there's heroes and he wants to, help out however they can and he doesn't believe all the usual bullshit about them anything and it's cool because it's nice to see and it's nice to see cyclops i you know i was reading x-men back in the late 70s early 80s and cyclops wasn't a jerk then and i was kind of like cyclops so i like it now when they show him being a good guy but still making fun of him there's a scene here where nightcrawler says something about hope and he's he means the concept hope but it Cyclops just totally deadpan. It's like, yeah, hope will help us really, really help us out here. We got to get her down here. And I call it, so like, oh, you're so literal, Scott. I love you. Uh, so the judgment is coming from. Oh, oh uh, yeah, right. Um, Tony Stark. Part of their plan was they decided, okay, the way we're going to beat these things is to wake, create our own god, basically. Um, with the Eternals helping create their own god, and they're going to do it by reanimating Avengers Mountain, which is the the body of uh, Erishim the Judge, one of the original Celestials. Mm-hmm. Um, what could go wrong? Yeah, yeah, and of course, <laughs> and of course, Tony is one of the main people behind this. So yeah, exactly, what could go wrong? But they do that; they awaken, resurrect, basically, uh, Erishim the Judge. And you know, since Judge is part of his name, he wakes up and instantly is like, you know, I'm going to judge if humanity is worth continuing. 
you know, 24 hours to prove humanity's worth saving. Otherwise, I'm going to wipe out everybody. And you have to collect up 30 some swords and have a battle <laughs> not with them to prove it. <laughs> Just a battle swords of wits. Of, Hold your swords. swords. Of the celestials. <laughs> Uh, so obviously they're going to have to bring, uh, hope in to just tell the celestials that humans are good. Right. Yeah. Like they named me after a concept. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this is a, this is a fun series. It's a lot, you know, we, the, uh, prelude issue was dense. And if you hadn't read like the previous year's worth of eternal stories, didn't make any sense. But the two issue, the two actual issues of Judgment Day have been pretty good. Nice. And it doesn't matter if you haven't read Eternals. That's really uh, great to hear. Hearing you talk about it the other day too made me like, oh, I guess I do need to read that because the the Prelude issue totally turned me off, and I, yeah. I wasn't ready to. Re- I didn't want to read it, and so oh. I'm really glad to know that it is a lot better than than that one. Yeah, that Prelude like issue turned. Yeah, that Prelude issue turned me off too, and I've read all that Eternal stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it still was like, oh, geez. But yeah, this issue is just click on the click on the top of the row and choose alphabetize. <laughs> How do you click click, sort? How do you click on? I roll. I roll my list on a bag on a board. Oh, <laughs> that program. Where do, you, where do you click on the board? That program doesn't do it, Roman. Ah, damn. Um, I give it an eight. An eight. An yes. ocho. Nocho. Man, there's a lot of good comics this week. Yeah. I didn't feel like that when I was reading them, but there are a lot of good comics this week. Um, yeah. I, I feel like an ass. Jeff is so much better at this, but I saved the the last comic that I have on the list for us to talk about is one that I think only I read, uh, which is <laughs> poor form. Uh, oh, that's that's some Django action right yeah. there. Yeah. Look Make at it me. all about me, right? Look at, at me. Very <laughs> now stop looking at me and look at Black Sad. They all fall down part one um, by Juan Diaz Canales and uh, Juan Joe Guardano, Guarnido. Um, this is, I guess, the, like the beginning of the fourth book in Black Sad. And these guys are uh, a couple of Brazilian dudes who did some amazing, amazing stories. Uh, it's like hard-boiled detectives in... Um, like 1930s, 40s, New York, and all of the all of the characters are anthropomorphic. So the main character is a black cat with like a white muzzle. Um, he's he's hired by this bat to go down and hang out with the moles who are building the subway. And along the way, the the weasel mobsters get get salty with him. It's the, I don't know that there's a better comic out there. Like this is gorgeous, gorgeous art, super detailed. The the acting of the characters is amazing. The stories are just like ripped straight from the pulps. Um, I I can't say enough good things about this creative team. And I've only read half of this book and I already know it's that good. <laughs> uh, I, I can't, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a 10.0 for me and I think anybody who has even a, a passing interest in 40s, 30s and 40s New York or, uh, you know, race relations in, in that time period or detective stuff or just amazing artwork owes it to themselves to, to pick this up and, and then go backwards. Like the rest of them are, I don't know if they're in stock at the Comics Place this week, but we have them generally. And I think I just placed a big reorder for them. I, I can't imagine anybody would ever be disappointed in this comic. Um, do you guys have anything else to talk about? I, 
it feels gross to have that be the last thing that we talk about. <laughs> um, Eight Bill and Genies number four was really good that as usual, good. as the first three <laughs> issues have been. I like the it. It follows the kid, right? The kid who left and and wished for superpowers and left so that he could go save his family. Yeah. Um, and he just gets caught up in all these superhero antics for most of the issue. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's and it's surprisingly there's a scene where he gets like him and his superhero new superhero buddies get beat down and it's really sad this one panel because the kid's like what am i doing i'm only 12 and the other one is who's who's like bleeding and busted up and he's like i'm only 11 <laughs> it's, like, it's like oh my god these kids jeez oh and the genies are like able to like they're not super secretive. They'll tell people things as, and, and they'll grant wishes as long as they're not too complicated. They won't fuck with people too much. Like yeah. genies have a, a personality that you don't necessarily expect from that kind of uh, trickery. Uh, and, and they, and, and like at some point his mom is worried about him and the genies are like, I guess we could just like, I don't want to tell her everything that, that's happening, but you know, I'll, I'll tell her something. And he goes over there and he's like, just so you know, your kid's still alive and she's like well i'm so worried about him he's like yeah he wished for a remarkably solid power set i think he's gonna be okay <laughs> yeah your kid knew knew what the fuck he was doing <laughs> yeah i read the first two issues and then we sold out at number three but since we got the uh second prints in oh, i get to get caught up i'm really excited because i really loved one and two I think this is the best, the best thing that those, I guess it's, it's the second thing that that creative team has done. Uh, they did curse words before that, which I, I was entertained by, but I, I dropped off, you know, three or four or five issues in. Um, and actually in the same panel that uh, the character from curse words is murdered in, in this issue of 8 billion <laughs> genies. Um, also, there is a shark with arms and octopus boxing gloves. And uh, I thought that was about the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Sharktopus, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> hey, that was a movie. Yeah, and a character. <laughs> uh, well, scores from you two for that one? Oh, uh, 8.5. 8.0, yeah. Nice. Easy, easy, good comic. Um, Geez, I feel like we're missing something other than Jeff. Clearly, we're missing Jeff. Uh, Very much. Uh, well, we don't have a Will Elmer email, um, probably because Jeff has it uh we don't have we don't have an email from anybody else so if you're if you're sitting there thinking maybe i'll send an email to the comics place maybe you should send an email to the comics place uh jeff at the gets that email to us most of the time uh i would say uh probably 278 280ths of the time that email gets to us <laughs> And don't feel like you have to send some rich, deep question or query to us. Oh, no. Like dumb questions, bring them on. Fart Those joke are the fun ones, please. <laughs> you know, what did you have for lunch? Maybe not that, but okay. send us something fun. Since Jeff's not here, I want to tell you guys something that I noticed he does that our listeners have never probably heard. Whoa. In order to get our levels right before the episode starts, and in order to make it so that we're all kind of warmed up and Roman is less grumpy than he was when we hit, hit start. <laughs> and I'm probably uh, less irritated than I was when we hit start. Um, Jeff interviews me and Roman for about 25 minutes before we hit record. <laughs> <laughs> and I always know when, when 
he hasn't talked to Roman for a few days because he doesn't have anything specific to ask Roman. So he just asks him what he had for lunch. And then that's immediately followed by, can you turn your microphone up or down just a little bit? <laughs> oh man, that clever Jeff. I've never realized. Yeah. <laughs> and now every time Roman eats lunch, he's going to be looking for the, the setting to turn his microphone up or down. <laughs> He started reminding me at our weekly trivia too, because I always forget. Yeah. Like up or down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For like that. two years now, you know, they can't hear me on the trivia team because my damn audio always goes down. <laughs> well, we're really close to getting you a new computer, but yeah, you're going to love it. It's a Mac. You're going to have to learn to use the other side Jesus. to close windows. But, oh, uh... God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> on the positive oh. side, when you get lost in it, or if you need help, you got a guy who can help you now. That's true. Yeah. It's not me because I can barely work a PC and there's no way I can handle a Mac. So good luck to you. I'm going to be calling Django before I am. Is, How do I close out of the tabs? <laughs> I can do it in my fucking sleep, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that sweet Jeff is missed, but I think we handled ourselves solidly tonight. I think if we hadn't mentioned it, nobody would even thought about it. Oh, they would have noticed because he's <laughs> yeah. amazing and everybody loves Jeff deeply. What's missing? Do you guys have some salt? <laughs> We're missing, like, do you have hot sauce? Like, can I get some ketchup in here? These French fries are just like unsalted Tim's potato chips. These French fries are making me thirsty. Yes. Thirsty, thirsty fry. All right. Uh, this is devolving. We should yeah, save we these really... poor listenings. <laughs> We were really tight for a long time there. We did really like good. An hour of really solid, quick. Uh, uh, this this is what we pay the editor to do. Yeah, I don't know that anyone wants to hear instructions for Roman on how to work his new computer or how to drink water while he's eating French fries. It's important to hydrate, Roman. Uh, oh. Thanks for joining us. Keep watching the skies. Uh, what if what if the wish on the genies was for dc and marvel to be owned by the same company and to do crossovers all the time and for no other wishes to ever happen would we still have movies i'm django i'm roman i'm colette bye bye everybody oh god i just hit the wrong button don't want me doing the computer for you roman. <laughs> <laughs>